Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Welcome to Renewal Church of Chicago. My name is Derek Puckett, senior pastor here at Renewal Church of Chicago, and I'm so glad that you joined us on this Sunday morning. You picked a good Sunday to be with us as we are doing our annual Gospel and Race conversation here at Renewal Church of Chicago, and we've done this conversation since the beginning of our church, uh, something that we started uh, early on at Renewal, where uh, the hope is that you get a glimpse into what a dinner table-like conversation looks like uh, with some of your peers that are from different backgrounds, different cultures, and, and ethnicities to say, uh, this is what my life has been like. This is what my journey is like. These are the challenges and things uh, that I've had to come up against. And the, the, the point of this morning, as we do each uh, year, we have a different topic. We've been walking through a Who We Are series. Did y'all enjoy that? If you've been with us, who we are. Again, y'all not with me. I heard one yes. Uh, uh, yeah, well, y'all going to get this thing. Damon up in here singing his heart out with Nani and the crew up here. And y'all just... I don't know. Maybe he won't feel. So it's just it, we, we, it's in that multi-ethnic setting. I know all of y'all aren't chocolate like me, but we we talk back to one another, and it helps us go quicker and faster, or else we'll be here all day long. And so I'm going to start talking with the cadence and all of those things, and y'all gonna hear me hoop up in here, which none of y'all probably want to hear that. Y'all don't even know what that is. I'm not talking about basketball. It's a it's a certain type of black preaching. Uh, we'll do that one day. But um, this morning, we've been in a Who We Are series where we've been looking at who we are as a church and specifically the why we are who we are. And when I say why, why multi-ethnic, why multicultural, why multi-generational? Uh, and so throughout the past couple of weeks, we've been kind of looking at that. And so if you missed any of this vision series, I, I hope that you'll go back and listen to it. And we started with talking about the fact that the reason we're multi-ethnic is because it's biblical. It's biblical. It's not something that we just said, oh, this is cool and, or sexy and we want to be the cool church that's diverse and said, no, no, this is biblical. See, when you look at the Bible and you look at what Jesus has done on the cross for us, you've heard me say this, it's a cross-shaped gospel. You look at the visual of the, God, of the cross right here. Y'all can look over there. The cross, there's two beams right there. There's a vertical one, there's a horizontal beam. The vertical one, as we place our faith in Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, we're now vertically reconciled to God, our Father. But there's a horizontal beam, too, where we know those nails are in each one of Jesus' hands and he hangs there on the cross. That horizontal beam reconciles horizontal reconciliation to one another. And he models this, as I told you, on the cross when he's sitting there with thief on the cross. The thief on the cross is, has nothing in common with Jesus. He, Jesus didn't sin. He's sinless. But the thief has sinned. Jesus is on the cross asking for forgiveness for all of us and saying that these folks, they don't know what they're doing, but yet the thief is saying, listening to him, and he says, you know what, don't forget about me in paradise, and, and God, Jesus says, you know what, you, you're going to be with me today. Based off of his faith, so what do they have in common? His faith in Jesus, and that's what saves him. So horizontal reconciliation, Jesus models that on the cross, and we heard on top of that, that in heaven, hence the topic today, as it is in heaven, Ramon preached a wonderful sermon last week talking about when we get to heaven, Revelation 7, there are going to be every tongue, tribe, and nation standing before Christ, and we'll all be clothed in white robes. Hence, we've been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb who sacrificed on the cross for us. And we're not going to care about who's next to us, what color they are, or how much money they made, or where they're from. All we're going to be doing is singing glory, glory to the highest because we're with Jesus. We're with our Savior. And so we're going to see this in heaven. And we yearn to have a picture of that heaven here on earth as it is in heaven. We want to have that as a church. But as we've heard throughout the last weeks, this is hard. Loving others is very, it's very hard. We live in a society that doesn't tell us to love one another. Instead, the society tells us to do for ourselves. Do what's good for you. Doesn't say love your neighbor who is different than you. It says do for you. 
not love others. So it's hard. We're different. We come from different backgrounds. And so in order to love someone else that's different, then you got to check your presuppositions at the door. You got to be able to cross a line that you might not normally cross or want to cross. There's got to be a little discomfort for the good of the gospel. So it's not easy because of the world that we live in. And so in order to do that, we had to be intentional. You can't just see the line and see the division and say, well, somebody else is going to cross it. No, I'm going to be intentional. And I'm going to be the one to step over the line and meet my brother or my sister where they are. So it takes intentionality because it's hard. But why do we do this? Because Jesus did it first for us. He did it first for us when he died on the cross, dying for people that were unlike him so that we can have life eternally and reconciliation to God. So he takes the first step, and we're called now as Christians to do the same thing with people that are like us and unlike us, crossing those lines. In fact, Jesus says, all of the commands of God stand on how you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your strength. But secondly, y'all know it, how you love your neighbor. Hence, how we love as Christians matters. How you love your neighbor lets us know or lets the world know if you really love God. Let me say that again. I don't want you to miss that. How you love your neighbor like you, people different than you, lets the world know that you really love God. So I want to kind of preface our time just by way of reminder, our first sermon that we preached on this vision series, we looked at Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 34 through 40. If you got it, you can stand on your feet with me if you're able, Um, because that's about as much preaching y'all gonna get this morning from me. Don't amen that. All right, Matthew 22, 34 through 40. I want you all to hear uh, just by way of reminders. I kind of told you four weeks ago, this is like a thesis to where we are, why we do this. Um, Jesus' question, and he says in chapter 22, if you're with me, say, got it. He says, verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love your neighbor, or your your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I'm going to say that again. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Again, how you love God and how you love your neighbor matters. Today we're going to do a panel. Uh, You're going to hear from some of your peers and members here at the church. And the topic of this is as it is in heaven. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time. God, you're truly good. You're an awesome God. God, we do give you praise. We do give you thanks. God, I do ask even now, as we get ready to hear from some of those that are in our church, that you would ready our hearts, that you'd ready our ears to hear what you have for us. Uh, That it wouldn't be just us up here speaking, but that you would have your way, Holy Spirit, in the hearts of your people. Allow us to hear, allow us to see what you have for us. God, you're a good, good God. And we truly believe that you're doing something here at Renewal. And so, God, I ask that you have your way in this place, as I ask each week. Get glory in this place, Jesus. You're a good, good Father. And we do give you thanks this morning. And everyone said together, amen and amen. With that said, can you all put your hands together and welcome the panel as they come to the stage.
gonna get it down one way or another. Um, again, this is a time where, like I said, we've done this since the beginning of our church. This is a space where I like to give you all what kind of like a living room conversation, if you want to say, uh, what it would look like and what, and some of the questions. So you're going to get to hear some of their stories uh, as we have a conversation with one another and they ask or some of the questions. Um, they are different members, been at this church for a number of years in different spaces. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing what they had to say the second time around. And so I want to jump off and just kind of open up with who you are, uh, what's your ethnicity, where are you from, and how long have you been here at Renewal? Hi, everybody. My name is Mike. Um, I like to joke around. I'm the other Puerto Rican in this church. There's only a couple of us, but by God's grace, there will be more one day. Um, I've been at Renewal for about four years now, uh, born and raised here in Chicago, uh, Logan Square area, and... Uh, yeah, currently living in Oak Park, but yeah, city born and raised. Let's go. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Lauren. Um, I've been at Renewal the last almost four years. Um, I am ethnically German and Norwegian, um, but I grew up in a really small town in Iowa, about a thousand people. So culturally, I am Iowan, <laughs> um, but that's a little bit about me. <laughs> hi, my name is Tammy Patterson. Um, I've been at Renewal almost eight years. Um, I am a true Chi-Town girl, born and raised in Chicago. I'm represent. <laughs> and um, I am black. Good morning, my name is Nicole Brownlee. I am black. I have lived in, I've lived in the Chicago area for six years and um, we've been at Renewal for six years. And I'm from Georgia. Uh, good morning, my name is Robinson Alexis. Um, I am Haitian. I was born in Haiti, but grew up in uh, Sacrasse. <laughs> but grew up in South Florida. Um, I have been attending Renewal for nine years now. Amen, amen. Um, well, I'm gonna jump right into it. And so I want you all to, to help us um, by, you know, by way of story, but just describe maybe one scenario in your life that's kind of formed or shaped you um, that might have been challenging, but in a way made you passionate, if you want to say, have a passion for uh, the multi-ethnic church. If you would, just like one scenario that just kind of formed and shaped you by way of story and just thinking of your narrative, what brought you to this place of saying, I... There's something bigger than my own demographic. Uh, being Haitian, I predominantly grew up in a Haitian church. Um, probably when I was around 16 years old, uh, started going to a predominantly white church with some friends I knew from school. And for the most part, I, I enjoyed it. We, I don't know, they gave us food, we played games, and, and then they talked about the Bible, you know? easy enough. But I think um, throughout my time there, uh, at least I didn't notice it then, but there were just some things that were just kind of underneath the surface that I guess left me a little, made me a little uncomfortable. The, one of the stories I shared earlier, I remember they used to do things uh, whenever any of the students were to do some, excel at a sport or activity, uh, they used to always praise him. And I just remember one time I, I think I won like a state event in track and field. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the young kids that was there was just like, oh, man, I wish I had an extra bone in my foot. And I was like, what? You got some bone in your foot? And he was referring to, he was like, why you say? He's like, you have an extra bone in your foot. That's why you're fast. And I was like, where'd you hear that from? And literally his mama was right there. He was like, my mom told me. And I was like, and then she looked at me like, it's not true? And I was like, Nah, or, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Uh, or it was like, it was, I mean, everybody there was nice. There was never anything that was overt. But I remember anything, so that's an example of, or any, the idea of possibly trying to holler at one of the fellow, <laughs> you know what I mean, students, that would be an issue too. So after that, it just kind of left a bitter taste in my mouth. So I just decided that probably wasn't an environment for me. 
So you got an extra bone in your foot. I mean, yeah, that's why I'll be whooping up on you in the basketball court. I got <laughs> See, this is, this is how a conversation would actually go at a dinner table. And me and Robinson would go back and forth. Um, no, we'll just have a separate But whooping people on basketball courts. Uh, there's only one that does that. Uh, that's me. Um, but the next person, uh, so Lauren, um, tell us about what kind of shaped you. Why, why would you, um, and I'm going to come back to the extra bone in the foot with Robinson because that's interesting. But just like what, what kind of maybe a scenario in your life that just brought you to the place where you're saying, you know, this is, I'm passionate about the church and multi-ethnic setting specifically. Yeah. Um, so like I shared, I grew up in a really small town in Iowa. Um, and when I moved to Chicago for school, I came here for college. Um, I remember it was a big adjustment, um, coming from where I was just the sheer amount of people, but then the people that look different than me. And then I was on the track and cross country team at my college here. And so just learning about all different people's backgrounds, um, was just very different. Um, and also at school and college, they do a really good job of making sure that you like understand your history and especially the history of our nation. And so I felt like I was sitting in classes, um, we talked about this a little bit in the last service, but learning about microaggressions and learning about like just the horrible, even church history of our nation, just so many things that I, my eyes were being open to that I had never heard before or weren't, I wasn't taught um, where I grew up. And so there was this like inner just turmoil that was happening where I was really grieved and upset, but I felt like there was a lot of good unlearning that was happening. I was growing in ways that I felt really excited about. Um, but then there was this tension because in a lot of my classrooms, I felt like what the professors were teaching or what I would hear from teammates or friends um, was that like, man, if that's really a desire of yours, like a desire to pursue diversity in your life, to understand other people, like that can't have anything to do with God because God is terrible or like they would use different like reasons that the church had hurt people in the past and those were real. And so I just felt this tension of like, well, I, I love the Lord. I'm trying to walk with the Lord. I'm going to this like ministry, but I feel like I can't associate it with it because I'm so nervous. Like, man, like is this, is this ministry racist? Is God racist? Like I was just wrestling through all of these big things. And so I shared in the last service, but I remember meeting with um, this, this couple who have been mentors now of mine for years um, and we were walking through the book of Acts, and we got to Acts 11, uh, 12, and 13, and in Acts 13, and I actually marked it this time, so I know the names of the people that I'm talking about, um, but in Acts 13, we see the church in Antioch starting, and um, the church in Antioch was, Antioch in general was a lot like Chicago. It was this big city in the Roman Empire, but that was super segregated. They, like, actually had, like, literal walls that, like, separated people, and you see these five guys who are starting the church in Antioch. They heard the gospel. They're meeting together. They're being taught by Barnabas and Paul uh, to grow and to, like, reach others. Um, and what's really cool is at the beginning of Acts 13, it says each of their names, but then it says where all of them are from. And I remember when I was going through this Bible study, they, like, were, like, that's not just, God, like, that's not just in God's word because it's, like, oh, fun. You hear where they're from. But like by hearing where they're from, you know that they're all from very different places. And so Barnabas is from the island of Cyprus, Saul, Tarsus, which is now like Turkey, so Middle East. Uh, Simeon um, was African. Uh, Lucius was from modern day Libya, so it would have been like Northern Africa. And then, then Mannion, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but um, was in a close relationship with Herod, it describes. And so uh, he was likely Jewish um, and from like Asia area. And when we were studying this, it was just so cool because we were talking about, like, these were the five guys who were starting this, like, church that was going to go reach the world and does, if you read Acts. It's, like, crazy. Um, and they were all different. And they were all from different places. And my favorite part in the Bible study is we got to the part where we were talking about that, the, like, the city of Antioch didn't know what to do with them. Like, they didn't know what category to put them in. And so they call, for the first time in Scripture, the word Christian is used because the people of Antioch didn't know what to call this group of five guys who were starting this church and loved Jesus. So they just called, it was like an insult. They were like, look at those little Christs. Like that, that's what Christian means. Like, look at those little Christs. Um, and I just thought that was so powerful. I remember sitting in this study and being like, okay, this is helping me understand like this tension that I've been feeling. Like 
No, God has created like multi-ethnic from the beginning, not just, we see it in Genesis, so literally from the beginning, Um, but then we see it in the beginning of his church. And so this hurt that I'm learning about, while true, and is absolutely a part of history that I need to know and need to like repent of and lament, um, it's not God's design. And so when people are pointing at God and saying like, he's the one who did that, like, no, that's not true. Like his design was multi-ethnic. That was his design for the church. And so that people, all that they could say about them was like, they're little Christ. Like, and that's just so, that was just so profound and so powerful to me. And I felt like, yeah, just as I was sitting in classrooms, like the classroom couldn't say that. Like it was just diversity for diversity's sake. Um, and if that's your motivation, that's really shallow. Like that's just, um, and so I felt like that was the first time that I really understood like, no, this multi-ethnic diversity is good. And the motivation, the reason God designed it, designed us all, has us all different, different tongues, different looks, is to give him glory. And that is, like, really good motivation. That's not just diversity for diversity. And that's what I was learning in the classroom. Like, that is diversity to put God, like, on blast, like, to give him glory. And so that's just a moment that I remember and was just really profound and why I'm so passionate now about being involved in a multi-ethnic church. So. That's good. So you're sitting in the class and they're telling you something a little different. Yeah. And it was so close, child. right? It felt yeah. so right. But then yeah. it was like, this is good, but something's off. Like this motivation is not good. And so, yeah. Anyway. That's good. Yeah. Biblically. Thanks, Lord. Yeah. But Nicole, that's been a little different for you though, huh? So what's some, like one scenario in your past where you even thought that just kind of I would say challenged or encouraged you, but also formed you to kind of say, I, I want to seek multi-ethnic church out and see what this is like more and more. Um, so share a story with us. So I grew up in um, suburban Georgia, and um, my family had, for a variety of reasons, chosen to go to a, a white church. And so at a, from a young age, I was kind of really used to being in white Christian spaces and really not thinking much about microaggressions or I just kind of, you just get used to it. And um, we ended up moving um, once I got married to Germany and then came back and were transferred to Arkansas and found ourselves again in a very white space. And so we were part of a white church that in the community was really lauded for the social, um, really intentional things they did in the community. They didn't buy a building and instead had church in the YMCA because they wanted to pour those dollars into the local Y. And, um, but there were, you know, there were two white pastors who would say things on Sunday morning like, us whiteies do blah, blah, blah. That's not how we do it. And um, I got to the point one day, they'd come out with a new brochure and I knew a lot of black and brown people, including myself, who I did a lot of things in women's ministry, um, but no one who wasn't white was in any of the pamphlets. Mm. And um, I just started to feel a lot of righteous anger. And so I felt like the Lord was calling me to say something to the leadership. And so a white friend of mine, who had kind of also started to feel a stirring in her, um, said that she would go with me and talk to him about, you know, challenging why there might not be a black or brown person in worship in the worship ministry or somebody who was more forward-facing in the church. And um, he more or less said, like, if people wanted to go to a church that wasn't white, they could go to a black church or a brown church down the street. Mm. And um, didn't want to hire somebody who was not white because it would come off as, in his words, Tex-Mex, like a inauthentic wow. version of what worship was like. And I just knew, I knew that that just wasn't like God's heart. And, um, you know, it's funny, it, reflecting back on it now, I knew that I was in the center of God's will, but it was, I was still in the midst of a storm. And there were a lot of really difficult, really traumatic things that happened during that time, but I still felt like God was calling me to continue to lean in, continue to say the things that were unpopular, continue to say the things that normally aren't said in um, cross-racial conversations. And so once we moved here, I looked up where is a um, multi-ethnic church and found, thankfully, renewal. Amen, amen. Well, Mama Tammy, it's Tammy. Um, yeah, I just, I love to hear just kind of what your story and just how you've been shaped 
um, even challenged, maybe formed, you get to this place, have a passion for the multi-ethnic church? Um, well, for me, you know, being born and raised in Chicago, we are the most diverse but segregated city. And so I was born on the south side of Chicago, and my mom wanted to make sure that I was exposed to what the world really was. So she moved us up north, and when we moved up north, we were the only blacks in the neighborhood. And so the only black that was in my school, um, and she was intentional about having us be the only one go to white churches. So for me, um, during that time period, um, I had to endure a lot of things that you all may have read in books. So I was someone that saw the signs that said color. I was someone who got spit on. I was someone who they would touch my hair and say that I'm different. And so for me, growing up in Chicago, very young, um, I was very scarred. Wow. Um, yet, as I was beginning to read what God says in his word, I knew that this was not what he says life is supposed to have been like. So as I, you know, began to get older, you know, older, of course, I started back going to black churches because they were comfortable for me. And yet, um, I feel like God had an assignment for me to be able to, one, heal the wounds that I've had for many years. So yeah, it's yeah. like I've had this cut that was bleeding, um, and yet making sure that I needed to be in a multi-ethnic church so that I can be healed, so wow. that I can be able to educate from the standpoint of, you know, we do see color. You know, and in heaven, there's going to be many colors. And so to be able to um, address and be able to be authentic and being able to say, yes, I need for us to see each other, seek right. understanding for each other, and knowing that it's going to be hard. That's good. So for me, I was very passionate because I knew that I did not want my future and my present to dictate what has happened to me in my past mm -hmm. and who God says that he is. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was passionate about making that's sure. Good. That's good, thank you. I hope that even just by hearing stories, you guys are you're just kind of learning more about the background and narrative and you can see the diversity here, but also the intentionality with it. So I wanna go to my brother, the other Puerto Rican, as you said, uh, in the church. But uh, Mike, what is maybe one scenario or even in your story that has kind of shaped you formed or formed a passion for the multi-ethnic church? Yeah, so um, being a second generation Latino, uh, my father was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Uh, my mother, uh, even though raised here with Puerto Rican parents and at that time period, it was like straight up Puerto Rican too. So um, I'm the first one that's had to kind of navigate spaces of being other and so being Latino American, there's a, a concept we refer to, which is uh, called existing in the hyphen. And so that experience, what that looks like is, while I'm here in the States, when I'm looked at, I'm always looked at as the other, right? Um, however, when I go to Puerto Rico and I'm there and, I mean, I could speak some Spanish, for instance, right, and enjoy some of the, but, I'm still looked at as, no, you live in the States, you're still the other. So it's like I'm the other whether I'm here, I'm the other whether I'm there. Um, and yet, God knows what he's doing with those of us existing in the hyphen. Um, there's a, a sincere understanding and ability to be able to navigate the spaces of uh whether majority culture or even minority culture, to be able to appreciate, to see the value in that because I've had to come to appreciate the value that I have. And so it creates an awareness in you, but specifically when it comes to a multi-ethnic church, um, frankly, growing up in uh, predominantly Hispanic spaces, it wasn't until later in life and kind of coming to this understanding of existing in the hyphen that the Lord had, you know, places this burden on my heart to really seek out uh, 
for specifically the church to now pursue uh, a multi-ethnic, multicultural uh, mission, if you will. The problem was a lot of the churches I was a part of at that time said, that's great, that's not us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we are minorities, and yet that's still our you know, default. Now, we can appreciate, especially like historically speaking, there, there has been and you know, still is a need for the black church right. or the Hispanic church. But I think in specifically a, a, a location like Chicago, where there is such diversity and yet such segregation, I feel like the church has kind of said, this is actually, we want to operate more so out of comfort. Or we will do what we do, and whoever comes in, comes in. Mm. There's a lack of intentionality in that regard. Wow. And so for me, um, that's why I can appreciate settings like Renewal that says, hey, what we do is based out of this desire and this heart to reach the multitudes uh, for Christ's glory, but also for our joy. That's good. That's good. I, I want to jump into this a little bit more because I, uh, especially my brother with the extra bone in his foot. Um, <laughs> I guess I got one too, right, Robert? I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But um, that's why I can dunk on you. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. It's a dinner table conversation, but uh, Robinson, I, I do want to hear even for you more because that that I, we kind of stopped at that story. But why, you know, why keep going after that? Why? What's the passion for you? Why? Why stay at a multi-ethnic church after that? I think uh, um, after that experience, I know one thing I didn't want to try is an all-white church. So that was that was the thing. So even going back to tradition, uh, predominantly Haitian churches, what I mostly did until I moved to Memphis. And I had an opportunity to go to a multi-ethnic church where I met my mentor, who was also an elder at the church. And he, um, white guy, I mean, you think about differences, this guy, him and I were complete opposite. And although we were extremely different, he became someone who till today has been the most influential person in my life. I mean, I lived life with this man. I watched him around his wife and his three kids. We talked about the Bible, he taught me so much about the Bible. And and in conversations, you know, even kind of uh, uh, when we were talking, you start to see like, oh man, that situation was kind of messed up and um, that I was in previously when I was younger. And I think one of the things, um, at least why I, I mentioned- He's addressing the bone in the foot situation. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Because yes. uh, one of the things I think that get trapped for me is although now as an adult, I've been in America for a while. I mean, the world may see me as black, but again, I am Haitian. So there's a lot of nuance that I quite didn't understand as a young man undertone. Maybe what I thought was racist would be straight up somebody calling me a, a name, not little comments or, you, you see what I'm saying? And then so because I didn't understand that then and just kind of having a conversation, he helped me to see like, man, the the level of uncomfortableness that I had at a church wasn't something I was making up in my mind. I it was there was a lot of underlying things that made me uncomfortable in that setting. Mm-hmm. And but with that though, the beauty about it just kind of meeting somebody that's different from me in this environment of multi-ethnic church really motivated me to continue to pursue something like that. Uh, uh, like this is how church should be. This is how you should have fellowship with your brothers and sisters. Um, and I would say even when I, when I left Memphis to go to graduate school, I remember I was part of a Bible study at graduate school, small group, and you know, um, someone in Bible study would invite me to church with them, and it was, again, a predominantly white church. I'm like, nah, I'm good, you know? But, you know? but you're like, oh, this is a one-off, you know? Jay's cool, you know? White people cool, you know? You know it's the <laughs> and I just remember, again, Going into a space and doing this time, it was around, uh, if you guys remember when Trayvon Martin, um, that happened. I was living in Daytona, which is the same county that that incident happened. And I just remember going to Sunday school and this be, this be a topic of conversation. It would be like, well, why don't, why don't you, why didn't you just listen to the cop? And in my mind, I'm sitting there like, well, the dude wasn't a cop. You know what I mean? Or 
why uh, why you got to wear a hoodie? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I got a hoodie on right now. Like, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. they, so again, like all these things previously that started coming back to the surface and I was reminded how I felt the first experience I went to predominantly uh, um, white church. And then it was just like, like understand like this is not the setting for me. That's good. That's good. And you, you're kind of opening up a, a topic that I want to go into next. I want to dive deeper in this. I think because you all, I, I'm thankful for it. You, you've said renewal is a great place to be. It's a great place to grow. And um, I want to be in a multi-ethnic church and I want to be in a multi-ethnic setting. But it's not always easy, right? It, it's tough. And there's things I always say with the, when you hit, you feel the multi-ethnic rub, if you want to say, in voting and whatever it may be, how you eat. It gets tough, and you got to figure out how to go through that. So, Miss Tammy, I want to ask you just kind of your story. You know, being at Renewal, been here for eight years, and just um, like, what are some of the challenges, if you want to say, um, that you've encountered, and and then why why stay? You know, why why want to continue to stay this? As I said, vertical, horizontal, gospel-centered. Um, multi-ethnic. Why, why do you want to do that even with the challenges? So if you can name some of those and then just your passion by saying. Well, <clears throat> first because God told me to. That's number one. <laughs> um, number two is that I believe that being in a church of this magnitude has big problems and we have a God that gives us big answers. And so, you know, me coming to renewal um, definitely was God's plan. I, I didn't, I wind up here because there was a young woman that I was mentoring and she had not placed membership and I was going to another ministry. And so I was asking her these questions. Hey, you know, do they preach the word of God from the Bible? Is it? community-based? Is it evangelistic? Is it all these things? And she was like, yes. And I was like, okay, so why haven't you joined this ministry? Um, So I set up that Sunday for us to meet after she goes to church and I go to church. We were going to have lunch. Little did I know, God intervened as I'm walking out the door to go to the ministry I had been going to, which was actually multicultural. I've been there for many years. Um, yet, um, I always knew that God was going to call me out of that ministry. Um, just wasn't sure how he was going to do it. Um, but that morning, the spirit instruct, instructed me, go to renewal. I come to renewal and, you know, I'm like, oh, this is, this is good after service. Um, literally the Holy Spirit is like, and you finna be a member here today. <laughs> I looked around and I was like, no, that ain't the spirit. First of all, I got all these. We were in a small kitchen back then, and I'm seeing all these white folks. I'm sorry, I got to be as real as I can. All these white folks. And and, and I was just like, first of all, they're young. There's no one who is older. And God was like, you're the old person. I'm going to bring, (laughs) I'm going to use you to be able to bring seasoned people in. And I'm literally just having this conversation sitting in a chair. And then instantly the spirit's like, and go over to, to that pastor, Derek, and tell him that you're going to place membership. So I literally was like, okay, if I don't do this, I know I'm going to walk out and never come again. I go to Derek, and I was like, you know, I'm going to place membership here. He's like, that's an answer, prayer. I was like, okay. Um, and so for me, at that moment, because there was like this, I want to say almost like this duel. We, two things, is 2016. We're in an election with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. We are, so there's a multitude of things that was going on at that time. So for me, um, I now looking back, understand why God had me here. Part of my assignment is not only for my healing because he's that kind and he's that's good but he wants us to see the power that only the church is able to literally change the world upside down to show what true love is between diversity so for me during that time i 
even though the young woman that I was mentoring was black and we started small groups, I intentionally did not go to that small group because that's, that was comfortable for me. I intentionally went to an all-white group. Um, and when God placed me in this group, I was laughing again, like, are you kidding me? I got all these young, <laughs> rural people that was like, oh, let's get to know each other. Okay, and so for them, they was like, okay, let's go camping. Now we can go to the hotel and do a retreat, but I will not be going to camp out in the woods. You know, and so for me, I was intentional about, and I'm just gotta be as real as I can, right? right. Is that I was intentional about building relationships yeah. with people who was not like me because I wanted to display for God to be pleased with what he would see with a black woman like myself who have been spit on, who has went mm. through so many different diversities here in Chicago to be able to know that we can be able to be vulnerable, we can be able to see each other, and we can truly be able to have a relationship. And so I'm here, one, because of God, and two, because I believe that the power of the cross, the power of diversity, would be able to change and be able to allow for us to experience a little bit of heaven here on earth until we go to glory. So that's why I stay here. Amen. Did they get you to go camping? I ain't there yet. <laughs> I ain't there yet. Camping. Amen. Yet. But I, we'll get there. We're going we gonna to make it We're going to do a church camping trip. No, I'm just playing. We're going glam, to glamping or something. Uh, glamping, that's, that's a thing now, right? Yeah, with a toilet. Um, but I want to uh, further dive into this. Thanks, Miss Tammy. That It just just the challenges, because I think sometimes we look at this and we're like, oh, it's really cool and it's easy, and it's not. You know, you, we're in another election year, and there's, I've already gotten several texts, like, you gonna buy the shoes? And I'm like, because you like gym shoes? And I'm like, are you serious? You know, so it's just, I, I don't want to make it political, but there's a, some shoes that came out, and I like shoes. Um, and Donald Trump made some shoes, and I don't necessarily want shoes. So, but all that said, and I'm not necessarily talking about politics here, but that's one of the conversations that come up at the table. Yeah. And, um, and I like the joke, so there's, that's a love language for me. Uh, and so some of my friends that will come through. But I, I would love to hear from more of you guys some of the challenges of just being in a multi-ethnic setting. But also, um, secondly, why, why keep going forward? Because it's not always easy. Yeah, um, and maybe Robinson will share his story of that gentleman that ended up leaving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a, a story of somebody where we had a conversation and they actually stayed. And so while I had the privilege of serving as a pastoral resident here the last few years, um, I had a gentleman uh, reach out to me uh, and ask if we could just have a conversation regarding some of the positions that uh, we shared as a church, right? Um, and in this conversation, we touched on topics uh, such as like Black Lives Matter, right? Uh, wokeness, kind of these things that while we, I'll just say we know how to nuance that, especially from the pulpit, right? And God's given our leaders immense wisdom on how to do so unapologetically. However, we also understand that certain ideas and concepts uh, can trigger each of us in different ways. And so for this individual who has a more, let's just say conservative uh, background and upbringing, we wanted to have that conversation. And I think the beautiful part about it was that, and it, it truly is solely by God's grace and by his spirit, we were able to enter into a conversation and almost immediately feel at peace and disarmed. Because uh, that individual knew, hey, at the end of the day, Mike loves me. And I knew this brother loves me, and he's genuinely asking for insight and wisdom so that he can then take it back to the Lord and say, Lord, help me deal with this. And so we walked away from that conversation with a greater understanding as of image bearers of God, of the beauty of diversity, and of the reality of unshared experiences 
in our past and our history, and that individual is still a part of this church today. That's good. That's awesome. And Robinson, on the other hand, you didn't necessarily have the same situation happen with you when you said that maybe you did it, but at the same time, like, and again, we're not making this about politics, but we're in a year where we're having an election, and this is one of the dinner table conversations that you're going to have. And so if we go back to 2016 and you talk about what happened to you back then, how did that end for you? Um, you know, why are you still here after the challenges of leading a group back then, et cetera? Yeah, so I think um, the story goes, uh, we had a couple, uh, they were part of Renew, and actually they were active members, they were part of small group, um, they were really intentional about helping um, black youth in and around the city, um, but they were really uncomfortable with um, a lot of things that some people may not feel comfortable with if you're not from such environment. And I remember during the time it was, uh, 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 2016, due into election, and mind you, we are meeting every Tuesday, and of course, the day that, you know, Trump getting elected, we are in Bible study on Tuesday, and just kind of just, uh, some individuals, uh, the group was predominantly, it was predominantly, you know, there was more black members of the church, and there were white members of the church in that group, but I just remember talking to this gentleman, and he felt as if, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he just felt constantly being attacked here at Renew, you know? And, um, and, and I say sometimes I feel bad for my white brothers at this church because uh, <laughs> I feel like a lot of times some of the topics that we talked, uh, talk about seemed as if it's coming at them. And he was expressing that to me and how it made him feel. And sure enough, while we're having a discussion, it just kind of, it was like at that moment, I was just like, yo, this dude feels how I felt at those church that I went to previously. So it kind of forced me, whether I agreed with him or not, to kind of like, yo, just listen to him and just kind of see what was going on, why he felt this way, why he felt attacked. And unfortunately, he did not end up staying at the church, but it's just one of the, like you say, challenging things that we may run into being in such a diverse setting. So I hear that there's this, this leaning in aspect, if you want to say that there, um, when it does get tough, because I, from a leader standpoint, on that Tuesday told y'all not to do groups and have a time of prayer, just because we knew that people are all different sides of the spectrum, especially here at Renewal. And so it's not political, it's for us to lean into each other and pray uh, for our leaders, pray for one another. But in that, it was, it sounds like you were willing, you wanted to lean in a bit more, but when it was turn, tables of turn, the other side didn't lean in a bit more and left. And so I think there's, there, that's a challenge of being here. You know, I, I think Sunday is great. You hear the sermon, you hear worship, but when you actually got to sit down and see that there's differences, um, that, that takes a different level of saying, I'm going to choose Jesus. And, and keep my eyes on him. And so I want you all to hear that as, as much as we love renewal, it can be tough at times. It can be tough to be in this space, but we do this because of as it is in heaven. Anybody else? What else? Any reactions or just kind of challenges or share? Why, why stay here? Some of the things that you've experienced uh, throughout your time. Um, I could share just a little bit. I think the, I, yeah, the challenge in any church setting, I feel like, or sometimes Christian setting, is you're already tempted when you come in on a Sunday or maybe at a small group to, when somebody asks, like, oh, how you doing? Just be like, good. Um, I feel that, like, you're just like, I don't really want to get into what happened this week or share that with you. We already feel that at one level. But then I think, like, in a multi-ethic space, there's, like, even another level of that, right, where it's just like, well, and what happened to me this week? I'm not sure you're even going to understand. Or, like, so there's just this, like, really strong temptation challenge uh, to be vulnerable. And so I think that's like a challenge that I've experienced here of like, man, what does it look like to, in a situation to be like, man, maybe I don't understand something that was just said, or that made me feel a little uncomfortable. The temptation, right, is just to be like, well, I'll just forget about it. Next week I'll come back and just hopefully they don't talk about that again. Or like, you know, you can like start justifying things instead of like leaning in, like you were saying, and asking somebody like, hey, I'm going to have this conversation and trust that they're going to love me. Yeah. Um, and that's true for me, but I know that's true for others in my small group who have talked in like reverse settings. And so 
I think that's a challenge that I've experienced, right? The temptation to stay surface level and not be vulnerable. Um, but then the reason I feel like I say I shared this uh, with these guys a couple days ago, but I love that like on Wednesday nights is when our small group is and we hosted it at my house. And I love that when I look around the room that it's like, it doesn't make sense why we're all friends. I said this to my small group on Wednesday when we were talking, uh, like from obviously culturally, ethnically, but also because we're all like, some people are in the medical field. Some people are very like creatives. Miss Barbara's in our group. So she always jokes like, what the heck am I doing here? Um, but I love it because it's like, it is so clear that because of Christ, that is why that room is gathered and we love growing together. We know each other deeper. We've chosen intentionally to be vulnerable, to grow. And this actually happened. I didn't share this with you guys, but we, our neighbor right next door, we live in the townhome community and Miss Barbara is actually in the townhome community we live in. He like asked Mike and I once, he was like, who are all these people that are always coming in and out of your house? And I think like what he was really asking is like, who are who are these people? Like, you know, they're, they're so different than you guys. Like, you're some young couple with a baby, and I see all these strange people from all over coming into your house and leaving week to week, time to time. And it was, like, one of those where I, we, like, shared with them, like, oh, it's our church small group. We also, like, lead a ministry with college students, so that's probably who you're seeing. But it was one of those that I was, like, he has no idea how complimented I just felt because I'm, like, that is what this is about. Like, you don't understand, but these are, like, my close friends and family who come to my house, and to you it doesn't make sense. And even people at our townhome community are like, how are you and Miss Barbara friends again? Like, where did you go? Why are you guys pals? Like, that just doesn't make sense on paper. Um, and I get to share, like, it's because we go to church together, and we know each other really deeply, and I consider her family because of our, like, bond of Christ. And so that's, like, the challenge, but then the reason why I stay, because it's just, you can't match that type of, like, beauty that you get to experience. So, yeah. Amen. Thanks, Lord. I think... Um, and one of the last things I wanted to ask, and I want to hear from you all, is that um, because we, we've talked about your stories and then the challenges here and why you stay, uh, I know there's some folks in here that have been here for a little bit, maybe they're new, uh, but trying to figure out what's that first step uh, towards true reconciliation, towards sitting at a dinner table. I know for me, one of the things that I love about being here is when people truthfully, I'm not talking about my black brothers and sisters, but my uh, especially with the history in America, but my white brothers and sisters will say, I want to know your story, and I, and I really want to know, and I want to hang out with you and go where you are, et cetera. Uh, it does something for me that you want to get to know me. And so I, I'd love, Nicole, if you would just talk about this. You've served and be the, be the bridge and all these different things throughout your, uh, your past. And so what's a, if you were to tell somebody first step of towards reconciliation or uh, maybe in story form, what would you say to someone trying to figure this out? Yeah, I mean, I one thing I remind myself a lot of times, especially in the United States, is that this work is a, is a, is um, opposed. You know, the enemy seeks to keep us apart, and um, you know, we were founded on some really messed up pseudo Christian beliefs. You know, black. People were enslaved because the Bible said we were inferior. And so you bake that into years and years and hundreds of years of history, right. and that just doesn't easily break apart. And so when I'm talking to people about how to begin, I really do start from there that there is a goodness and it's God's heart for us to be together and for us to be in community but there's an enemy that's working just as hard to keep us apart. And so when you, when I show up in a space and say, I'm not gonna check my blackness at the door today, I'm expecting tension. I'm not expecting, oh great, tell us. When, when I do get the, oh great, I've always wanted to know more about that story, it's a relief and a confirmation that I'm doing God's work, but I'm not expecting it, not in a pessimistic way. I just know there's no blueprint for this. And um, it is, sadly, my experience that it's at least the entry is way easier in non-Christian spaces. If I'm around mm -hmm. a mostly white group mm -hmm. that are unchurched, not churched, agnostic, atheist, I'm expecting that I'm going to at least hear what needs to be said. It doesn't mean that the heart is there, but I, I have that expectation because it's been my experience. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I've had the experience when white evangelical spaces that I've had the opposite, that mm -hmm. 
the entry part is hard, has been for me way harder, but when someone shows up and has sincerely, I, I, have, a, I have a great example of this. I had a group in Arkansas, I was part of a, a book club, all white women but me, and they were all part of the church, but these were women who were really kind of just starting. It was, it was probably 2014. We were just starting to have more intentional conversations because I was like, the Lord was telling me to say it, so I was just saying the thing. And um, I remember I, we were reading something, I do not remember what it was, and at some point I was saying the things that I had been feeling, and one of the white women said, you know what, let's stop. I really feel like we all need to repent. Like, I just want to pray right now and re repent for the things that we have not known, the things that we have not heard, the things we have not said. And there was one woman in the group that I remember who I could just tell just the energy was not good. And we met for a whole year, every single month, just talking about books. And we were reading something else. And again, I don't remember the book, but it was definitely something around um, racial reconciliation in fiction form. And she said, you know what, guys, I just want to share with you something. The, a year ago, when you guys stopped and repented and prayed, I thought that what Nicole was saying was completely ridiculous. I thought that it was a political stance. I did not think it was authentic. And she said, um, but it, in that year, my heart has changed. The Lord has changed my heart. Wow. And, and she had not said a thing to any of us. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to say, if you're feeling like you're part of a group that may not hear you or see you for who you are, or you're in a position where you're feeling like you're not quite being able to hear from people who don't look like you, your heart just feels kind of not there, that it can change. Like the Holy Spirit can change anything that the Holy Spirit wants to change if you really want it. It, re it does require humility, yeah. but it can be done. Amen, amen. Uh, so I hear the time too, it takes time. It doesn't happen right overnight. Um, and leaning in and doing life with one another. We got a couple more, I'm gonna end with Mike and just, but what, what would you say, either Robinson, Lauren, Tammy, what would you say just to, um, a person trying to take that first step? Um, the first thing I would say is first really lean on the rock of God, right, in your relationship. The next thing I would say is conquer fear. I think fear has crippled us as a, as a body of believers. Um, and when you face the fear, don't run but choose to be able to allow for God to really be able to help you grow in your faith um, and truly be able to stand the course that he puts you on to know that it is not to harm you or to hurt you, but it is to free you and to be able to give you the courage and the strength and the call that he has on your life to be able to know that um, he loves you so well, he loves all of us so well, and that we all need to be a part of this story to be able to make change. So coming into renewal, I would say um, don't be fearful. The other thing I would say is when I say be intentional, um, and I'm not just saying this to say some words for myself, what I did was I was intentional about choosing someone that wasn't like me. We got together every, at least twice a month for about a year, and we're the best of friends. And so um, for some of you all that may have been around for a long time, um, before um, this person left and went to another ministry, if you saw her, you saw me. So it was kind of like seeing peanut butter and jelly, um, two different people from different walks of life. I was older. She was younger. She loved being in the woods. I loved being in a hotel, and we just matched. And so I would say to you, I say that not in a joke. I'm serious yeah. in the sense yeah. of only take one person. Pick someone in your small group that you're with, and then pick someone outside of your small group that's not like you, and trust God to do the work. That's good. So don't save the world. You don't have to. You can't try to save the world, but if you can do one at a time, and then those one, it multiplies. And so that's good. That's good. Mike, man, what would you say to 
Um, you've talked about being living in the hyphen, the other Puerto Rican. And I think one thing we didn't even really get to touch on is the the black-brown divide, the white-brown, all of those different divides there that a lot of people don't know. We think about black and white, um, but there's, a, there's other divides. Um, and seeing you on the stage, Reverend, your prayer answered for us uh, as a church. Uh, and I think that I would love to hear, you know, just you and your perspective, just what is it that when you think of the first step um, for someone new, whether they're trying to enter the church or trying to figure out how do I seek true reconciliation? This is a gospel issue, but I don't know what the first step is. What would you say to them? Yeah. Um, just because of how complex a lot of our backgrounds are, right? So when you talk about white, brown, white, black, black, brown, all, like it is so nuanced. And so let me try my best to simplify it. I really believe with all my heart that this work of reconciliation that we're talking about um, is one of the most gospel-centric acts that we could pursue on this side of glory. Now, some of you may be like, all right, uh, show me where it says that in the Bible. I got you. The inspiration for me as I thought about this conversation uh, is out of Philippians 2. And so Paul's encouraging the readers to be of like-mindedness, to be in one accord. And then the example that he gives us is one of humility and that of Jesus Christ, who for uh, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, right? But it says he came in the form of a servant and took on flesh. In other words, he dwelt amongst his own creation. And then we read later on in Hebrews that because of his proximity to his creation, almost is now more aware of the hardship, of the, the pain, of the sorrows, of everything that we as his creation experience. And it says because of that, we now have one interceding for us and we can boldly approach his throne of grace in our time of need. Now, hear me out. We don't need messiahs and we don't need saviors. We have one and he is sufficient. Yeah, yeah. However, we need those who say, hey, let me be in proximity with you. Share your story. Like, it, Miss Tammy didn't share her experience a little bit uh, for, for the first service about this. Uh, like, she saw the colored sign. She saw, in my mind, I'm just like, we want to think that was so long ago. And yet proximity has now made me aware, no, it hasn't been. And so it's in proximity that we now can empathize. It's in proximity that we now become aware. And it's in proximity that we become like Christ and that we can now advocate. We can now intercede. We can do the Christ-like thing to do for our brothers and sisters who are different from us. And I think what we see at the end of that is that the world is in desperate need of hope and they can then look into the church and see this work happening within the church and say there is a God and he loves them. But I think he loves me too, all of me and all that I bring. And I think that provides hope. Amen. Amen. And so what I want you to do with this, uh, the purpose of this, if you look at this stage, um, I said Mike was a prayer, but you definitely were a prayer answer, Ms. Tammy, every one of you all. And we may all look different, but we do have in common is Christ. And for us, as you said, this oneness that he's seeking, he wants us to seek. It takes a lot of work because of sin and the history of the world. Um, and so for some of you all, an, an application, even challenge for you might be, after church today, you need to go out to lunch with somebody that's different than you. Y'all been getting to know each other a little bit? Let's go, let's go get some lunch. Or sometime this week, we're going to get coffee. Um, but I think that, well, not think, I know that in order for walls of division and things for us uh, to see difference in our city, see difference in our world, to see it as it is in heaven, it's not going to happen without us taking intentional steps. Um, we're not saved without Jesus taking an intentional step first. 
and he calls us to do the same. And so I thank you for each one of your stories. We didn't even touch the tip of the iceberg with a lot of things that y'all have going on. Um, but that's the point of this, is for you guys to get a glimpse of what's going on just culturally and conversation and ethnically and why they're here. And this isn't just about renewal. This is about you all taking this first step um, towards reconciliation. And I believe that that's going to happen not just in these four walls. This can't be the only multi-ethnic setting that you have. It happens outside of this church in your offices, in your school buildings, in the gyms, wherever you come in contact with people. And so what you hear here, don't let this be the last time you have a conversation or see a conversation. Do it intentionally in your lives. Can y'all put your hands together for the panel? I'm going to pray for them and, um, and you all. And then you'll hear a, a video testimony of just what this even looked like a little bit practically more outside of our church. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You're a truly awesome God. I thank you for this conversation and the vulnerability of each one on this stage. But also, God, that this isn't about us. This isn't about what we say. It's about you. It's about you working in broken people to bring about renewal, to bring about reconciliation, to show off the love of Jesus to the world or a world that's waiting and watching and needs hope, needs peace. And so, God, I do pray for protection for our church. I pray, pray peace for those that may be feeling some kind of anxiety over a situation or even this topic, God. There may have been things that were broached or talked about here that has something rise up in someone's spirit here or heart. God, I pray that, as Robinson said, we need to lean in a little bit more. And so, God, I pray that we would do that. And that we would see transformation not only here on a Sunday morning or in our church, but we'd start to see the city change and ultimately the world by what you're doing with your church. That's where lasting change happens. It starts in the church. That's why we're here. 12 guys turn the world upside down for Jesus. And so, God, I pray that the same thing would happen with us. God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for calling us to you. I pray for the one that needs you, that they would even confess right now that Jesus is Lord and Savior. This might just sit knowing that I'm loved too, right where I am and that you would blow their minds with the grace and mercy and the love you have for them. God, we thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray all these things that everyone said together. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.